This is episode number 181 with Ari Mysel of the Founder Podcast. What you need is thirst. You need to be a thirsty human who is intent on learning. It's a really fascinating, fascinating exploration of human potential. Now. Now. now, the Founder Podcast. Even the greatest entrepreneurs had help. If you want to learn from the most successful founders on the planet, you are in the right place. Branson, Mark Cuban, Tony Robbins, Tim Ferriss, Ariana Huffington, Seth, Steve Case, Gary V, Sophia Amoroso, Robert Corcoran, Damon John. Learn from the greatest minds in business today with interviews hosted by Nathan Chan. This is not your average entrepreneur podcast. The Founder Podcast. Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Before we start today's episode, I just want to let you know that our goal at Founder is to help entrepreneurs succeed however we can by giving away high quality content in the form of interviews, blog posts, podcasts, YouTube videos, you name it. We put out so much content to help you. And another interesting project that we're working on right now is partnering with world-class founders like Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Greta Van Riel, and so many more to teach crucial skills like negotiation, finance, e-commerce, and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free trainings with founders like this, which is 100% free, just go to founder.com forward slash free. Okay, so now let's talk about today's episode. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Founder Podcast. My name is Nathan Chan. I'm coming to you live from Melbourne, Australia, hometown, homegrown. And if you're new to the Founder Podcast, we interview some of the greatest founders and entrepreneurs of our generation and really get them to share their experiences to find out how they've built that you know brand that's you know a company that's like number one or two in the industry or how they've achieved the level of success that they have and you know what you can learn from their experiences of building businesses you know for like 5 10 15 20 30 40 50 plus years and today's guest he is an absolute superstar but before i jump in about today's guest i just want to share a few i'm uh, just coming back from our team retreat we went up um, to the beach and uh, I'm incredibly excited for 2018. We've got some big things planned for you guys. You're going to absolutely love it. And uh, one thing we're going to do is um, this year is going to be for us the year of creating really high-level courses and getting people that we've interviewed on this podcast and in the magazine on the front covers to teach. And one of those people that we've interviewed and worked with before is Ari Mysel, and I'm really excited you're going to hear, you know, how smart this guy is. He's an absolutely like insane person when it comes to productivity. And we got him to teach a productivity course called Productivity Machine. And uh, yeah, if you want to get access to this course, you can go to productivitymachine.co. And, uh, you know, we are relaunching it. I'm really, really excited. You're going to want to check this out. Some crazy stuff. And let's talk about Ari. Like, you know, Ari is a really, really interesting, smart person. He's, he's an, he has an amazing story. Uh, what happened was, he, um, you know, he was overworked and, uh, you know, he ended up from stress getting Crohn's disease, actually cured himself from Crohn's disease and come up with a system of productivity, you know, how to stay in inbox zero, how to get extreme amounts of leverage for his time. He has like five kids. Um, he has a very busy, hectic lifestyle, and how is he? How is he able to run and build businesses with, you know, a ridiculous amount of leverage? And he goes through his system, his framework inside this course, and also in this interview. And you're going to learn a ton around how to become an effective entrepreneur. Because one thing, you know, we can't get back as entrepreneurs is time, and we need to optimize our time however we can, especially as we start to build our businesses, and we want to become more effective because. We are, as founders, 
we are the biggest asset that's what's going to grow our business forward in terms of strategy, thinking, driving that stuff. Like, you don't get me wrong. You have to have an amazing team, but without the founder, without the CEO, it's hard to it's hard to get that leadership. You need to really optimize your time for the strategy and all these other things that you need to do. And you have to, you know, keep many plates spinning and you've got to do marketing. Depending where you're at, you've got to do marketing, you've got to do sales, you've got to do accounting, you've got to do so many different things. So this is an incredible course. Ari is an incredible individual. You're going to learn so much from this podcast. Like I said, you can go to productivitymachine.co. But either way, I hope you get a ton of value from this conversation. I know I did. He's a crazy guy. All right, that's it from me. Now let's jump to the show. First of all, welcome back for a, a second time round on the podcast, man. Um I interviewed you, what, in the early days of starting Found, I think back in 2014. So, yeah. Been, yeah, four years now, man, long time. Ancient history. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so the, the reason that I wanted to get you back is a few things. One, because we've recently started doing, and this is something I'm really excited about, is is essentially inviting people back that we've interviewed and, and, you know, showcased their story and got them to share experiences, but going a level deeper and getting them to teach and to, you know, package up and, and teach courses at a really intimate, deeper level. Um, and, you know, you launched an amazing course with us called Productivity Machine. I was just sharing some killer testimonials that we were starting to collect of people just loving it. And um, yeah, I wanted to invite you back, man, because I want to know more about your story. And I just think it's a great way to really for our audience to understand you and, and your work a little more. Yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's an honor to be back and an honor to be involved in the new platform. Yeah, thank you, man. Yeah, no, honor is all ours, dude. You kill a course, productivitymachine.co. Make sure you guys go check it out. Just go to productivitymachine.co. But First of all, the first question I ask everyone that comes on is just for our audience that haven't heard our first interview we did a while ago, uh, you know, this, in the early days, how, how did you get your job, man? Do, can you tell us more about how you found yourself doing the work you're doing today? <laughs> My job. Yeah, it's funny. I haven't had a job in a long time. <laughs> um, so I went to school for real estate. I went to the University of Pennsylvania to the Wharton School of Business and I graduated a year early with uh, majors in real estate and entrepreneurship and minors in art history and psychology, which is a you know obviously a, a weird mix, but uh, that was the course load that I took in order to finish early because I wanted to get back to work kind of. So I went to uh, visit a friend in upstate New York and while I was there, he showed me these old buildings from the 1860s that were these beautiful old cigar warehouses. And I had this vision that I could create uh, basically a loft condominium development there. I was 20 years old and I made an offer to buy the buildings that day. They were very cheap. And I started on the road of building what would end up being a, a $3 million real estate project in this city. Uh, the deal though was that anybody that worked on the job had to teach me their trade. I spent the next three years learning and doing every construction trade imaginable. I was working my butt off. I learned a crash course in project management, building a team, uh, legal stuff, zoning, uh, everything about real estate, politics, speaking to the, on camera, everything you can like think of. And at the end of three years, when I was 23 years old, I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease. I had just wrecked my body and my health and I was in $3 million of debt and the stress was pretty overwhelming. And I hit a pretty low point for myself at, at, at that time. And through a long process of self-tracking and self-experimentation, I was able to overcome the illness, which is it's considered to be an incurable illness. And I, um, medicine free and pain free now for the last, I guess, six or seven years. And a big part of that was recognizing that stress was a big element in what was affecting my illness. And my approach to mitigating that was to create a new system of productivity, which at the time I called less doing, as in less doing, more living. And so since then, I've been teaching and hacking and figuring out new ways of getting more done with less time and resources and helping people optimize, automate, and outsource everything in their lives and their businesses. 
And now I speak, I do consulting and coaching, and I work with individuals and businesses all over the world to help them be more effective. Yeah, wow, that's, a, that's an amazing story, man. Like, um, yeah, I'll never forget, like, when I first heard of you and your work, um, I was just like, wow, this guy sounds like a serious boss. Um, <laughs> so I'm curious, like, like, can, let's, I'd love to go a little deeper on what your lifestyle looks like today. Like, are you really only working a few hours a day? What, like, how, how does that work, man? So, yeah, it, here's the thing about that. Well, okay, so first of all, I have four small children now. I have, I have five. Actually, my oldest son, Ben, is going to be six years old tomorrow. I have twin four-year-old boys, and then I have a, a nearly two-year-old girl. So we have four very young kids. We have a very crazy household. We have a dog and two cats, and my wife is stay-at-home. I work sometimes from home, sometimes from co-working space, where we want to be. And generally speaking, uh, because I take the kids to school every morning and I pick them up every afternoon, I basically work while they're at school. So right now that looks like roughly nine to two thirty most days. Um, this we're doing this interview at night right now. It's unusual for me to be doing that actually, which is, which has been great. So Essentially, I picked up the kids and I stopped doing work. And then usually at eight o'clock at night, I'll sort of re-catch up on some things, answer some questions from my team for maybe 20 minutes, half an hour. And then that's it. Um, so the the thing though that I want people to realize, it's really, I always try to make this differentiation. I probably could grow my business faster and make more money if I put in some more hours. Although I'm not real, I'm not even entirely convinced that that's true. Because I, as human beings, work tends to fill the space allotted to complete it. It's known as Parkinson's law. So uh, in most cases, you give somebody an hour to do something, it'll take them an hour. If you give them a half an hour to do the exact same thing, they'll probably get it done. And if you give them two hours, they'll probably get it done in an hour and 59 minutes. Like it's just the way that we work. So I essentially compartmentalize my life that way. And that's, that's how I work. And I love what I do. Yeah, wow, it's interesting, man. So, I'm going to ask you a challenging question. Please be honest. So, what are your thoughts on like, you know, some of these founders that I've spoken to that were, that were featured that have built like ridiculous businesses, like hundred million dollar plus, uh, you know, annual revenue or billion dollar plus businesses that say you have to work eighty hours a week if you want to build something of that size. What What are your thoughts? If you want to build something of that size, you probably do have to work that hard uh, and that not even that hard. I'm sorry, that many hours. Um, however, I can tell you that I've worked with people who have made over a hundred million dollars and uh, look, take an extreme example, someone like Richard Branson, right? Who's a billionaire and purportedly does about 45 minutes of work per week, you know, and that's basically, wow talking to yeah and that's just like talking to his you know second and third command or whatever and sort of answering any questions but the rest of the time he's pretty much networking and talking to people and ideating and coming up with cool things to do um, so there's lots of examples of people like that who uh actually if you look at it's called the billionaire's code which uh this guy alex sharfin talks about a lot where once you get to the hundred million dollar point you are like a, a true, not not like a, people who are not at that point or not, but you're like a pure entrepreneur at that point, essentially. And what you really should be doing is just creating new challenges and motivating people and having ideas. And the team sort of tells you what you do with your time at that point, because they know what they need more than you do. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think that to build a billion dollar company, you probably do need to be living in your office right now. But I personally don't have any aspirations of owning a billion dollar company. It wouldn't change my life. You know, I, I have been very fortunate that we have a family of six. We have two homes. We drive a Honda minivan that I lease that I like, you know, and we just, <laughs> a lot more money would not change our lives significantly. So uh, it's really freeing in a lot of ways. And my company right now, Less Doing is by design built not to scale. I have a team of seven people. I don't expect the team to get any bigger than that. Um, we have some really clear pathways and plans to make this a eight-figure business, but I don't need to be a nine-figure business. 
Yeah, no, man. I, I appreciate the raw honesty, dude. That's what I love about you, man. Um, and that was a that was a great answer, dude. Uh, I didn't know about the Richard Branson one. That's that's incredible. So, to talk to us about your framework, like even building an eight figure business, is 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 like a no no small feat, right? Um, and yeah. and working, you know, like five six hour days. Um, so so tell us, like, how do you get leverage? Yeah. So one of the things is that uh, I'm a big proponent of outsourcing in general, but the whole framework of us doing is optimize, automate, outsource. So that means that we have to optimize first, which is where we're looking at the process that we might be going through and seeing how it's inherently inefficient. Uh, and a really basic example of that is that most, like whether you're talking about paying a bill or posting on social media or onboarding a new client, most people don't have well-documented processes, and if they do, they're usually outdated. They have holes in them. They have redundancies. And the best way to find that out is if you, if you can tell somebody else how to do, like, tell somebody else to do a process in your business, somebody who has no experience with it or any training, and they can do it, that's great. We never see that happen unless they go through a process that, that we sort of created or I created, I guess. Uh, most of the time, that person will find three or four mistakes within the first three or four steps. And that's something that you can fix. So we start inherently with optimization. The second part is automation. And when I started this business six years ago, you could automate all sorts of really cool stuff. But now it's mind boggling the kind of things that we can automate. And when I say automate, I'm talking about everything from setting up sort of a basic trigger and action, you know, so if this thing happens here, then do this over here. So if, a, if somebody buys something from me using Stripe, then automatically add them to a mailing list. Like that doesn't seem like a big deal to some people, but as a company scales, you might be doing that dozens or hundreds of times a day if you're lucky. Sorry, don't mind the dog in the background. Um, or hun hundreds of times a day. And it's not so much that we're trying to save money with an automation, although that does. It's also not so much that we're trying to scale, which it does. An automation will help you reduce errors, which is a really big thing, uh, especially, again, as a business scales. Once you've optimized and automated in that order, that's the first time you should be looking at outsourcing. And so a lot of times we don't even get to the outsourcing step. Now, that's a roundabout way of answering your question, but... Generally speaking, for me, I've got essentially a 15-minute limit, meaning that if something takes me more than 15 minutes to do it, I will 9 times out of 10 be like, okay, I'm done. I'm going to give this off to somebody else. And fortunately, I've surrounded myself with a team of seven people that are just absolute rock stars in what they do, and I can do that with them without too much explanation. What that also forces me to do is I'm basically focusing the most of my efforts and time on the things that I do best. And to me, what I think I do best is connect the dots. And I know that sounds a little bit vague, but one of my unique abilities is that I really can curate and create content that can solve problems in unique ways. So I'm, I just have a weird brain that way. If somebody tells me like, oh, I wish there was a way to do this in my business or this system or something, I can usually connect some app that I heard about a year ago with a research study that I read about two weeks ago and something I heard on a podcast and come up with a duct tape solution that fixes the problem. So uh, anything that doesn't do that, that doesn't produce unique content that really helps people is something I shouldn't really be spending much time on. And that's, that's the litmus test for me. Mm, interesting. So what I really, um, oh man, I, I'm really, really curious. Like when you were going through that stage of you diagnosed with Crohn's and you, you know, you, you, you said that it was heavily linked to stress and you were working too hard and overworked. Like what, how long did it take to work out what, like how long did it take to work out this stuff around how to, how to be more effective and like, cause that, cause that's like kind of the magic, right? Like to, to work out a system. Yeah. So the initial system of less doing had nine fundamentals to it from the 80, the 20 rule to creating an external brain, choosing your own work week organization. Uh, it wrapped up with wellness, which had a biohacking component to it because 
I felt like no matter how efficient you got, if you weren't sleeping well or you're too stressed like I was, then there's a limit. So there's nine fundamentals. I think that it probably took me, I want to say six to seven months maybe to come up with all the nine fundamentals. I mean, I, I very like precociously wanted to write a book within like two months of starting to write my blog. And it ended up happening about a year after that, once I really had developed the system. Um, and what I did also was there was a, a company that launched at the time called Skillshare, which was, I, I can't remember when this was actually, I think it was probably six years ago. And they, the, the, the value problem was basically like anybody can teach anything to anyone. So they just created, a, they provided the platform. So if you wanted to teach something, you posted it up on the class, they would, you know, take the tickets and stuff for you and the sales, and then you'd show up and teach wherever you wanted. So I, I, I've thought, you know what, I've got some really cool content. Let's see what people think about it. So I put something on Skillshare and decided to, um, uh, teach this class on, on, it wasn't even the system of what I was doing. I just basically showed the people like 20 really cool apps and got really good response. And then I did it again the week later and I refined it and a week later I refined it and then I put that back into the content and after teaching that class four or five times, I kind of really rounded out the content and then it became one of the most popular classes in Skillshare's New York sort of catalog. So that was, uh, it was a really, the, the feedback loop was really important basically. Hmm. And during the time that you were sick and you, and you couldn't really work that much, how did you work that part out like to keep the business going and, and all that side of things well so the the real low point for me sort of coincided with with finishing a project in, in upstate new york so at that point i was really focused on selling it um and i had bro a broker up there that was kind of doing a lot of that for me so i was actually able to take a little bit of a step back from it but i did of course still need to keep working and still running uh, the business. So uh, I, I didn't have a choice. I mean, I literally didn't have the energy to do more than an hour of work a day in some cases. So it's been a really interesting sort of test for me with people. And I use that with clients. And I, I when I ask them, like, what would you do if you could only work an hour a day? And a lot of times the answer is that you have to say no to a lot of things, which was the first time that I'd ever experienced that because especially as like a hard charging young entrepreneur, right? You just say yes to everything. Yes to every interview, every meeting, every request of any kind, you just say yes. And then that's how you get spread really thin. Uh, there's an entrepreneur named, well, entrepreneur is a super entrepreneur, uh, Dean Grazioso, who says that uh, yes got you to where you are, but no will get you to where you're going. So the idea of cutting out, you know, the idea of subtracting in order to add and dividing in order to multiply was a really important lesson for me. Yeah. How do you know when to say no though? Cause it's like so many crazy awesome opportunities as, as your business grows, as you grow. Yeah. And I, I think that part of that is, is getting really clear on your vision and what serves that vision, uh, which is, Honestly, it's very difficult to do as a young entrepreneur. I don't mean young in terms of age. It's usually like young in terms of the company. It takes some time. It's very, I, I don't think I've ever met a founder who started a company and on day one, they, they knew exactly what the vision for that company was. It's great if they might have one, but it's probably not the one that they end up with. You know, you look at the idea that entrepreneurs never fail. They just pivot, right? I mean, even... Um, I, you may you may know this, uh, but a lot of your listeners probably don't. That uh, Stuart Butterfield, who is the founder of Slack, created Flickr, the photo sharing site, and Flickr was a component of a video game that his first company was creating. So, <laughs> wow! It was a video game company that was failing, and there was this photo sharing element in the game, which they turned into an app, and it's I mean you know, Flickr is huge, obviously. And then they started Slack, which was also came out of a video game company. So, uh, you know, all that to say, is like the, the, the vision when you start out for the company is, is usually bound to change. So, um, uh, sorry, now I lost track of what I was answering. What was the initial question? 
How do you know when to say oh, no? Yeah, I didn't, yeah, right, of course. So <laughs> once you do get that clarity, then if it's not serving that vision and you can't serve that request per se as best as possible, then you have to say no. And it's very hard to do. I admit that it's very, very hard to do, but it gets easier and easier once you feel, once you recognize what you do best and really build up confidence in that. So for me, um, I'm not, going to do something unless it's really going to allow me to create great content. So that's, that's for me is pretty much the easiest way to say it. Like, will this allow me to create great content? Obviously this interview that we're doing is allowing me to create great content as was doing the course together, you know, but uh, that makes it really easy for me to say yes or no to things. Mm, I see. And like, tell us about your vision now, like, like the, cause you, you talked to me before you had a lot of clarity at the moment. Yeah. Uh, so there's sort of two sides to the business, although they're, they're really related now. Uh, we have the, I do speaking and coaching, which is one side I would say. And then the other side is the business consulting. Um, and so currently we have a really great free community that's on Slack and Facebook. We've got about 1200 people that are just productivity junkies and then we have a course. It's a 10-week coaching course that people can go through to, uh, I guess the most general is that, is that we'll help six-figure entrepreneurs get to be seven-figure entrepreneurs by helping them remove obstacles in what they're doing. And then I have a mastermind program above that. And then you could say that that's for the seven-figure entrepreneurs who want to become eight-figure entrepreneurs. And then once they're an eight-figure entrepreneur, we have business consulting because at that point we want to be working on a whole organization. And so those are sort of the, the four tiers of what we do. And it's a very clear pathway from one to the next. And at any stage of that business's life cycle, I am able to accelerate the results. Mm, I see. So, you actually do like you actually look at businesses uh, like obviously at like a one-on-one -on -one consulting basis and, and help optimize automate and outsource processes or kind of key fundamentals that, that makes that business tick. Yeah, exactly. Um, processes are something that I'm particularly keen at. Um, and I, I, it's, it's one of those things where that it's like my um, beautiful mind sort of moment when I get to see a really good process. Uh, and I can just sort of see how things sort of fit together. I mean, I have some up on my screen right now that clients have sent me that to just review. And there's just things that pop out of me of how we can improve them, how we can automate them, making them more scalable, making them more error-proof, and making it so the founder doesn't have to do them. Yeah, wow, that's amazing, man. Because um, uh, one thing that I'm starting to recognize is there's some core, you know, I'd say there's probably about 10 core things in um, talking about in founder, but I think it's quite common in most businesses is about 10 core things or, you know, 10 to 20 core things that, that make a business tick and make it run um, that, that, that drive value. Right. Um, so is that kind of what you look at those 10 to 20 core things that, that provide like, that, that makes that business a value generating machine and you come in and optimize that with that yeah. system. Yeah, exactly. And a lot of times the businesses know where the challenges are. Um, like hiring is one that comes up really often. There are so many different options for like hiring systems and hiring uh, management systems. I, I built a an automated hiring process for the outsourcing company I was running previously to hire 183 people in 16 months. And it was... Wow. Yeah, and we I built it with Trello and Zapier and Wufu and a couple other services that I just kind of stuck together. And it was like 90% automated, which was made it really scalable and, and really consistent. Um, so that, that hiring is one that comes up quite a bit. Customer onboarding is another one too. I mean, so, look, something so simple. I'm looking at this one right now. We see customer onboarding a lot uh, or customer journey, I guess you would say. And this client has a process whereby on the 30th day of this client's journey with them, they get a t-shirt. Uh, and right now, there's basically, <laughs> the, the person who's doing it is essentially like setting a reminder in their calendar. And then that day they go and they put it in the mail and they send it. You know, and there's, really, there's a much better way to do that. And that doesn't require anybody being involved in it. 
and doesn't require one person. So I guess one of the ways to sum this up is that I'm always looking at how we can make people replaceable. And yes. even as a founder of a company, you're not actually going to replace yourself, but you want to be replaceable. Because if you're not replaceable, you're a liability to your company. And I talk about this in the, the productivity machine that uh, you mentioned before, but it's a really important thing for people to understand that there, uh, there's two sides of this coin too. If you take the stance that like you have to do something yourself because you're the only one who can do it, then the truth is, is that you're actually removing accountability because if you're only accountable to yourself, then you're really not accountable to anybody, which is a problem. And then the second thing is that if you, you know, the proverbial getting hit by a bus, what happens tomorrow? Um, or what happens if someone in accounting decides that they don't want to work for you anymore, or somebody gets pregnant or somebody has a bad day or somebody has the flu. We need to have things in place so that business can go on. Mm. Yeah, I agree. Um, I often think about this as well, um, because especially if what you're building, you want to build a legacy or you want to build something bigger than yourself. I think that's really important. And I think always a good um, example when I think of this as well, because it's something I think about a lot. It's like, you know, Steve Jobs, you know, he had, well, after he was said and done, you know, people can argue that Apple isn't as good as since Steve Jobs is, is around for the leadership and vision side. But still, that's one of the most, you know, profitable, effective companies in the world. And he's not there anymore to drive it. He's built this value generating machine that is sufficient without him. Yeah, exactly. Um, and the other thing about that too is non-attachment, which is kind of more, I mean, it's, it's kind of a Buddhist concept really, but I, uh, I built up this outsourcing company for over two years and put my blood, sweat and tears into it. And three months ago, walked away from it and had asked my partner to buy me out and haven't regretted a second of it because I built it and I moved on. And a lot of people were like, how can you, you know, you spent just two years, how can you just walk away from it? I'm like, cause I did it, I built it. And now I'm building something else, you know, and that's the thing is just the being able to not be like flaky, but essentially being able to not be attached to it in terms of your identity has, there's a two way street to that. When uh, somebody basically assigns their own value to the work that they do, that's the same thing as saying that they're the only ones that can do it. And again, creating a bottleneck. Yeah. You got me thinking, man. Um, Dude, surely you've got in your kind of roadmap of projects, surely you've got in your roadmap of projects something around along the lines of building some sort of SaaS product that helps with producing great systems or SOPs. Do you, is that something on the horizon? Um, I, <laughs> you know, it, I thought about it. I'm not, I'm not a software developer. Um, I, I'm sure that there is a place to do that. I mean, there's tools like Process Street and Pipeify uh, the, out there that that let you create processes and, and whatnot. But yeah, as far as I know, there is not a, a one that will improve the process itself. So maybe we should talk about that. <laughs> mm, yeah, okay, interesting. Yeah, I reckon, man, yeah, all right. Okay, so talk to me around these combos. Like I, I, I like to think of them as combos, like, you know, um, you did this really cool one in productivity machine around automating your PR outreach. And I know that you must have in your, like, as you talked about, like that beautiful mind process, like, um, like what are some of your favorite combos or like mixing and matching software, a little bit of human element or, or, or almost fully automating something like you just talked about one then where you basically automated uh, hiring people 90%. Like what are some of your favorites, man, that just make your life so much easier? So the, the, the podcast production process was a really, really big one. That was the first uh, like Rube Goldberg-ish kind of process that I ever put together uh, mm -hmm. where there was like 15 different pieces that, that went into uh, sort of like domino affected into each other. Um, so that made it that I went from spending like 15 hours on a podcast episode to spending half an hour essentially. So 
the latest one, which you referred to, is this one with the, the PR outreach. And that one actually uses artificial intelligence and machine learning. So that's like a whole new level for me, which has been mind-blowing because it opens up when with my like obsession about making founders and everybody replaceable, if you can add artificial intelligence to the mix, you're really getting close. And so with, uh, there's a tool called monkey learn that will, uh, let you basically categorize text, uh, with machine learning. So you can say like, this is the, the best way that I can explain machine learning to people who don't know what it is, is you can, I, I could show you, Nathan, a human being, I could, I could show you a picture of a Cadillac and say, Nathan, where's this car from? And you would probably be able to say. Oh, man, you, you got me, dude. I'm, I'm not very good with cars. A Cadillac? Come on. <laughs> I'm sorry, bro. It's like the quintessential <laughs> American car. Okay. <laughs> sorry, man, you got me. Like you, you make me look like a fool here. <laughs> well, all right, how about Ferrari? Where's Ferrari from? I'm assuming Italy. Okay. Yes. Good. Thank you. Um, <laughs> so, um, <laughs> all right. Better one then. If I showed you an apple, you would know that it was an apple because you just know what apples look like, right? But yeah. you couldn't explain to somebody why it's an apple. You couldn't, you know, define it essentially. Whereas with machine learning, you can say, here's a picture of an apple. Here's a picture of an orange. Here's another picture of an apple, another picture of an orange. And then eventually you can just show it the picture and it'll be like, yeah, that's an orange because it has essentially reverse engineered what makes it that. So I had this idea that I could take press inquiries uh, for, you know, reporters who were looking for sources and run it through that. And I could categorize them as interesting and not interesting. And after doing, uh, I think, 68 samples, it was 87% accurate in picking the way that I pick. So the, the fascinating thing about that is that a lot of, I would say, maybe not necessarily founders in general, but a lot of people have the skill set that they, or they feel like they have the skill set that they can, quote, unquote, pick a winner. You know, so whether that's picking a horse in a race or picking an artist to be represented in a gallery or picking a manuscript to make a movie out of. You know, there's people who are just like, they know it when they see it. That's the key. You know it when you see it, but you could never explain it. Yes. So you take artificial intelligence and machine learning and you show it that stuff and it turns out that you're not as unique as you think. And there is a algorithm that can sort of almost match what you do. Now, it's not going to be perfect but it'll be near perfect. So I took that even further. And one of the things that I do every day is I look at producthunt.com and I look at what some of the new startups are. And there's usually 20 or 30 things in a day. And usually there's one or two that I think are interesting uh, out yes. of that batch that I want to share with my, with my you know, people. And I tried seeing if I could show this to monkey learn and be like, this one's interesting. This one's not, this one is, this one isn't. And after doing that for um, several samples, it's now 96% accurate in picking the way that I would pick. And that's several hours of my life that I just don't have to do anymore and that will just keep running and never have to think about again. So those, those things are really blowing my mind. Yeah, wow. So all the stuff that I think I'm really good at or anyone that thinks they're really good at, like I think I'm pretty good at marketing or branding. You're saying monkey can learn, can learn it? To some extent, yeah. Wow, that's scary, man. <laughs> it's also awesome. <laughs> yeah, wow. So talk, tell me another combo that's like, like you talk about the podcast one, but, you know, for the podcast, like, you know, that one seems kind of easy on my end, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good okay um so the uh the hiring process was another one which you mentioned um which which is which is a, a pretty important one i would say um this customer journey one is something that's I, currently what's fascinating to me the most because there's so much research around what you should and shouldn't do in terms of like you know, turning customers into fans and all that kind of stuff. And um, Joey Coleman, who's a friend, has the whole first 100 days thing and how most businesses lose most of their clients in the first 100 days. And if you solidify them in the first 100 days, that they can become a customer for life. So this is things like a personal phone call or a personal video or a gift or a text message, a postcard, 
all of which can be automated and still you know give the perception of true genuine action um and which is fine because you really do want to do these things but again at scale to me to me when i'm talking about scaling something it's it really is not about like how can we turn you know a hundred thousand dollars into a million that will probably happen to me it's more like how can we do this and keep doing this more and faster without breaking things uh and without hiring a new person and without stressing out our team and just letting it run in the background yeah, I see. Okay. So I'm curious as well, like in terms of customer onboarding or, you know, when someone comes into your world right now, what sort of crazy stuff do you have going on? Or it might be considered quite complicated, but it's really effective that you can kind of set and forget. Um, so the, the that customer journey thing is a big part of it for me right now because we have this mastermind program that is really high touch and I really get to know the people that I'm working with. So that that's a big one. Um, a lot of the stuff for me is uh, personal related. So because I have the the family stuff or the family stuff, I mean I have a family with four kids. Um, anything that we can sort of automate out of our lives is really helpful. So a lot of things having to do with uh, shopping and home stuff and repair and maintenance and uh, bill paying and just like all these things that a lot of people sort of do their job and then they come home and then they spend the next two hours like managing their home. Um, I don't want to have to be doing any of that stuff, nor do I want my wife to be doing that stuff. And we don't have, we have, you know, as I said, we have four kids. We don't have a nanny. We don't have, uh, we have someone help us, or sorry, someone comes and cleans once a week and otherwise my wife's doing it. Um, so we really manage this stuff very well without having to have like a staff. We're not, we don't live in a palace where we have, you know, people taking care of every little thing for us. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, I guess where I'm kind of uh, trying to go deeper is I love what I love hearing is the breakdown of this does this and it does this with this tool. Or oh, you really thing. want the details? that's what I love, man. That's, okay. that's what I think that what it will find really interesting as well. Cause it really opens up your mind to just technology and, and, and how simple some of this stuff can be, but how much leverage you can get for your time using your systems, bro. Yeah, sure. Okay. So I never, you know, I never know how, how geeky I can get with, you know, when I'm, when I'm talking about this stuff. So, um, all right. Well, so one of the things is that we have a lot of stuff around content management um, and, well, so that, that's a big one. So in our team, we're using Airtable right now. And Airtable is our, is, so when I was running this outsourcing company, we were Trello's biggest user at one point um, out of their 20 million users, which is really cool. So I love Trello. It's a fantastic project management tool and organization tool if you're not familiar. But now I'm really big into Airtable. And Airtable is like a database that looks like a spreadsheet, but can also look like Trello. It's, 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 it's kind of magical and a little bit hard to explain, but we run the business off of Airtable. So our pipeline, our sales pipeline is in there, our, uh, all of our internal task management and our content calendar as well. So we have a content calendar. I have a physical printout on my wall right here that I'm looking at. We have the entire year planned out already which goes back to what you were asking me about how I can say yes or no to certain things. It's really easy to look up and say that doesn't work. And that's just the way it is because I know exactly like I can tell you right now that on September, uh, where is it? Actually, sorry, November 2nd, 3rd and 4th, I'm going to be in an event in Phoenix. And on the first, we're going to write a newsletter to our email list about that having to do with automation. Um, so like I know every newsletter video drip, uh, blog post, uh, podcast, event, everything, uh, webinar, everything that we're doing is all on that calendar. And so makes it really easy to make decisions about what I can and can't do. So that's the physical version. Now that's all in Airtable. And we actually can, based on the date that is on the post, we can have uh, Zapier take that information and post it to social media when the time comes. So we can actually plan out all this content in advance and know when it's gonna go up, what it's gonna be, and not have to worry about it or ever think about it again. Um, literally the entire year. You know, So we, we had that done a few weeks ago where we were able to sit down and figure that all out and knowing what our themes are and stuff. So that's based on Zapier, uh, which is 
sort of the glue that binds all these different tools together. Um, and then uh, from Airtable as well, it, so, so like if I record a video that we're gonna post, I put that into a folder on my computer which syncs with Google Drive, which uploads it, and then Zapier sees that and automatically creates a new task for Russell on our team who manages all media to then process that and put it into the right place it's gonna go, whether it's a podcast or a video drip or whatever it has to be. Um, so the, those, are, those are some of the examples. Yeah, wow, man, this is crazy. Um, yeah, I, I love that stuff, dude. I really want people to get a feeling and an understanding of um, the kind of things that are possible, right? Well, that's, that's, um, that's a pretty basic one, honestly, I have to say. The, um, I created a, I think it's fairly unique. So a lot of people have drip sequences with email, and, and we certainly do, and I know you guys do. Uh, but yeah. we did one with Slack. So essentially created a 365-day drip sequence in Slack that came to new people who joined the Slack community got a message every single day with a different sort of action or video or something that they should do or look at, really sort of taking them through that journey. And that was all done through Zapier because Zapier has something called a multi-step zap. I'm pretty sure I created the, the, the largest multi-step zap that they've ever seen because to do a 365-day multi-step zap, you actually have to do 730 zap, uh, steps in that zap because there has to be a delay between each one. So I thought that was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, wow, that's crazy. And, and for everyone that doesn't know what Zapier is or Zapier, um, that's kind of a, it's kind of a tool that connects. It's like glue that connects other pieces of software together where we use it quite a bit as well. at founder, um, killer tool. And it's kind of, yeah, it sounds like it's one of your cores, right? That, that you use to, to do a lot of the things that you're doing. So, because this is the problem, right? There's so many different SaaS tools out there, right? But they can't do everything. So I don't know about you, Ari, but we pay for about 50 different SaaS tools at Founder, which is crazy. But it doesn't cost that much. It's like $30, $40 each one um, per month. But yeah, it's there's it, it a real need for connecting them together and getting them to talk to each other. Yeah, exactly. So, so Zapier is kind of like the glue or the duct tape oftentimes. Um, another tool that we're really big on is Intercom. So Intercom is essentially like a shared inbox uh, that your team can use. So anytime somebody emails the sort of general mailbox of for our, for the company, or they send a text message, or they have Facebook message on our business page, or live chat on our website, it all comes into the same place into Intercom. And any one of us on the team of eight people can answer that. We can share it with each other. But then we can also tag people and have automations come out of that. So if we tag somebody, like if you're having a conversation with somebody on live chat on the website, and they say that they're interested in our mastermind program, we can tag them that way and then that will add them to a special list in ConvertKit, which will then start sending them an email thing about that. Um, and it's all just very seamless. Mm. So we, yeah, 50 is, is, you know, that's a good number. We probably use about 12 different tools. Um, I really try to limit it as much as possible, but yeah, intercoms are a really big one, and we can automate so much stuff off of that. The really cool thing about intercom too is that it can integrate with Stripe, so we can see uh, anybody that we're talking to in their profile if they actually have an account with us and how long they've had it, and then we can actually create a whole automated sequence based off of that. So if somebody has been to our website three times. Uh, and they signed up for sort of our basic level, and we haven't seen them in two weeks, you know, I'm just making something up, then we can send them a targeted message based on that just by meeting that criteria. Uh, if somebody comes to the website and their computer language is detected as German, we can have a pop-up that says, hey, you know, by the way, we speak German, or if, if we did. Um, so it's a really cool tool. Mm, yeah, interesting. Um, one thing we want to be careful because uh, uh, we're getting pretty technical and geeky on this stuff. I love this stuff too, man. I'm I'm pretty big on tools. You, you're you're the biggest master I know, but uh, that all that I've seen. But we want to make sure also that this this isn't intimidating for people. Like, what are your thoughts, or what would you like to share that this doesn't it doesn't have to be a scary thing having to learn a new tool or, you know what I mean? 
Yeah, of course. Um, so I see that all the time. So there's a tool called IFTTT, which stands for if this, then that. And I would call that like the decaf version of Zapier, right? It's free. Uh, it can do very simple like trigger action automations. And what I would say to people to get kind of understand and get their feet wet is go to that website, go to IFTTT and set up an account and look at the services that are offered that it connects with. It connects with about 500 services, everything from uh, Twitter to PayPal to MailChimp to all these kinds of SaaS tools that most of us end up using in our businesses. And all you have to do is take a look at one and say like, oh, I use that. So I use MailChimp. Great. Click on it and it'll say, here's the triggers, here's the actions. The triggers might be uh, a new person subscribed to your list. The action might be adding a new person to your list. So you just look at that and look at the actions and say like, oh, I do that on a regular basis. Well, now I can automate it. So it's really simple. It actually walks you through it. It says, if something, and you can choose what the trigger is, well, then this, and you choose what the action is. And you can see immediately the power of automation in a very simple way. Mm, yeah, I love, yeah, that's a great, I agree. I remember before I got on Xavier, I started with IFTTT, and it's free too. Like yeah, it's totally free. Yeah, so a great one to check out. It's awesome. Well, look, man, we have to work towards wrapping up. I could uh, talk shop with you all day. Um, but uh, you, you're on a tight schedule too. Um, so a couple last questions that I had for you. Uh, one, uh, I'd like to ask this. Um, can, you, can you have it all? Um, do you want to? <laughs> Doesn't everyone? I don't know. Um, I, I don't know what all is. I mean, that sounds kind of like really anticlimactic to me. I'm a big believer in Kaizen. So the idea of constant improvement, right? So I just want to improve myself in some way every day and you know, be a better founder, a better leader, a better husband, a better father, a better friend. There's always something that we can do more effectively. Um, and, and we can also celebrate without settling. So um, I don't know what having it all would look like. I, I, I feel like that would be kind of boring. Awesome. No, love your response, man. Thank you. Um, all right, last question. Where's the best place people can find out more about yourself and your work? Obviously, uh, we've teamed up. We're publishing a course with you. It's called Productivity Machine. People can go to productivitymachine.co. But if people would like to know more about yourself, your Slack channel, everything else you've got going on, where's the best place people should go? So everything is at lessdoing.com. They can find out about all the programs, the, 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 the uh, Less Doing Labs community, uh, my Less Doing podcast, everything there, and uh, the, the courses that we have and all the, all the books and everything. It's all there at Less Doing. And then I'm on social media as at Ari Mizell in most places. Awesome. Well, look, uh, thank you so much for your time, Ari. I really appreciate it. Thank you again for uh, teaming up with us to do one of our first published courses. It's absolutely killer. Um, I, I'm getting you guys in the team to do it. Someone in the team's already done it and they said it's insane. Uh, can't thank you enough for wanting to work with us and uh, yeah, coming back on and sharing a second time round. Uh, really appreciate your time, man. Well, thank you so much, Nathan. I'm really excited to see uh, how people do with the course and what they're able to accomplish. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed this interview. As you might already know, our mission at Founder is to help tens of millions of people every single week with our content either start or grow their business, which is exactly why we're partnering with world-class founders such as Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Greta Van Riel, and so many more to teach crucial skills such as negotiation, finance, e-commerce, and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free exclusive trainings, please go to founder.com forward slash free. These are 100%. We go super in-depth on teaching a particular topic, and I know that you're going to love them if you enjoy this podcast. So just go to founder.com forward slash free. All right, guys, I'll see you in the next episode.